Okay. Uh, welcome, everyone. So, um, as I've gone to click live, this whole thing is just a trial run, test run, so to speak. Um, as I click live, it said uh, this show is scheduled to start six hours from now. So, I'm not sure quite how I messed that up or uh, where that issue is in the Podbean back end. But uh, we're trialing Podbean today uh, just to test out a lot of the features, including listener call in. So those of you listening towards the end, what we'll do after we run through the news, we'll try and find some of your perspectives and um, viewpoints from across the world on some of these topics. So uh, some of the uh, first news headlines that we're going to get into today is following yesterday's news of the destruction of the Novokokovka Dam. Uh, there are, of course, once again, a wave of allegations that martial law is going to be introduced in Russia. And once again, poor Dmitry Peskov has been rolled out to uh, assuage these rumors. Uh, Peskov has denied reports of a new wave of mobilization. The presidential press secretary said he was not aware of any prerequisites for the introduction of martial law in the Belgorod, Bryansk, and Kursk regions, as well as general mobilization. And this stems from some other rumors that actually in the border regions that there would be this wave of mobilization. I think that some of this has been confused with the formation of these territorial defense uh, brigades that have been uh, created uh, to back up Wagner as Wagner then pushed back to create what is termed as a buffer zone in those bordering regions with the Ukraine where they have been attacking the civilians in that region for, well, a few days now as we've seen. Let's move on to the next story here, where it's claimed in the Washington Post that US President Biden's administration called Crimea the main target of the counteroffensive of the armed forces of Ukraine. However, if we actually go to the Washington Post, this is in fact an opinion piece uh, written by Paul, uh, sorry, David Ignatius. And it's interestingly titled D-Day Dawns for Ukraine. So really hamming up the uh, references to World War II there. And of course, the pivotal moment there that resulted in victory for the Allies. Uh, so there's a lot of connotations with this title and perhaps even the timing of this, let's call it an uptick in activity uh, from Ukraine. The opening line is, it was bracing that Ukraine launched its counteroffensive against Russian invaders, underlined as we celebrate the anniversary of the 1944 D-Day landings this week. This assault could turn the tide of the battle for Ukraine, just as the Allied assault on the Normandy beaches altered the trajectory of World War II. And it goes on with a lot of waffle, but the key paragraph here that is being cited in Lentador, even the Washington Post, is this paragraph here, where Biden administration officials believe the offensive began on Monday with the Ukrainian thrust south along multiple axes. A major goal is to cut the land bridge across southeastern Ukraine that connects Russia with its occupation forces in Crimea. U.S. officials believe part of Ukraine's strategy appears to be an attack along several lanes so they can move forces among them to hit targets of greatest opportunity. Now, as we uh, I think we're all in agreement, those listening here, that this is ambitious at best, if not delusional. Uh, and going to result in heavy losses, as it already has, according certainly to the Russian commanders in the regions there. Administration officials were encouraged by what's being claimed here as better-than-expected progress on Monday, as Ukrainian units pushed through heavily mined areas to advance between 5 and 10 kilometers in some areas of the Long Front. That raised hopes 
that Ukrainian forces can keep thrusting towards Mariupol, Litipol, and other Russian-held places along the coast, severing the land bridge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, given the losses that they've incurred, including it's been rumored up to eight Leopard tanks, though we have yet to see official confirmation and pictures confirming this, uh, the rate of the losses of the Ukrainian side means that, uh, unfortunately, I think this is, as I've said, ambitious, if not delusional at best. If we go back to Russian media, um, Sladkov has reported that one UAF attack in Lobkovir and Zheribyanki has been repulsed, and a second attack has started. Uh, one, this is a quote here, one Ukrainian attack was repulsed, our guys knocked out enemy equipment there. And this is in the Kherson region, which is quite key because, of course, Kherson has been the focus since the destruction of this dam, which Zelensky claims uh, will not change the counteroffensive whatsoever. A quote here in Lenta.ru is Zelensky's office said that the destruction of the Kokovka hydroelectric power station will not affect the counteroffensive. So presumably there were no targets, aims, or uh, orders to focus down in the Kherson region, uh, given that that is the area primarily affected, and it does appear that this flooding has severely complicated any uh, potential maneuvers that would have gone down uh, in that regard. Now, uh, the other thing uh, to note here is that it's even been admitted in, I'm going to say Russian media, this is actually in Solovyev. Uh, live. Solovyev is a broadcaster. Uh, I wouldn't say he's Russian mainstream media per se, but he's certainly quite a well-known personality. It says here that Kherson authorities assess the impact of the destruction of the power station on the military situation. Now, according to Vladimir Saldo, who gave an interview on Solovyev live, uh, kind of uh, admits that things have kind of turned out in Russia's favor, particularly from the point of view of the military. The actual quote here is, from the point of view of the military, the operational tactical situation has developed in favor of the forces of the Russian Federation. Uh, this is quoting the Russian politician emphasized. So whilst uh, people uh, like myself have pointed out that for Russia to plan and execute this uh, destruction of the dam doesn't really make logical sense when it comes to benefits, given uh, some are claiming the threat to the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant. Again, something we've been assured is under control, given the closed circuit water cooling system there, and also the threat to Crimea when it comes to the supply of fresh water, something that Ukraine blockaded for years uh, since uh, 20, 2014, I believe. So once more, it appears that that supply of water could well be under threat. Uh, moving over to sort of the Western aspect of things, it's no surprise that uh, an American reconnaissance drone has been spotted near Crimea. Now, if we reference the Washington Post article that was published uh, June 6th, that was yesterday, then is Uncle Joe checking up on progress, perhaps, uh, trying to spy whether Ukraine has reached Crimea yet? Well, this is actually from Flight Radar 24. Uh, website where it claims that an RQ-4B Global Hawk UAV with the identifier Forte 11 was located at a distance of about 100 kilometers from the border at an altitude of about 18 kilometers above the Black Sea. It goes on to recall the fact that on March 14th, uh, an American unmanned aerial vehicle, the MQ-9, fell into the Black Sea near the Crimean Peninsula. And this was uh, what is being quoted as due to abrupt maneuvering. <laughs> the MQ-9 lost altitude and fell into the water. So once more, we have this incursion by a U.S. unmanned aerial vehicle, uh, presumably conducting reconnaissance. 
move over to the UK, uh, again, back to the dam, we've heard from James not so cleverly yesterday, uh, where he kind of said, well, we don't know all the details, we can't assess it, but pretty sure Russia did it, uh, as he wants to do quite often. Well, Sunak's also come out. However, British intelligence is sitting on the fence. And now it's being kind of posited that uh, whilst initially, uh, certainly yesterday in Russian media, it was claimed that MLRS uh, was used by Ukraine, that Ukraine had shelled the dam at around 2 a.m. Uh, some footage came out later on, and then these uh, theories abounded that it was an internal explosion. Well, Russian medias, or certainly uh, politicians, have come out, and they have said about Ukrainian sabotage, deliberate sabotage. So it seems that perhaps um, perhaps the facts are skewing to, yes, indeed, maybe it was an internal explosion, uh, but that it was perpetrated by Ukraine as opposed to Russia. And given the attack on the Kerch Bridge, one may even uh, lean towards, I think, like Sir Colonel McGregor, who pointed the finger at the SAS. Well, potentially, this could be one of those cases again, but let's not speculate too much, because it's written here, British intelligence has not yet made unequivocal conclusions about the guilt of one side or another in the destruction of the dam of the Kharkovskaya hydroelectric power station. It is inclined to believe that it was Russia, However, no one expected a different decision from London. Now, to my mind, that uh, kind of leans towards, as we saw with uh, Nord Stream, with Kerch, is kind of where the West is guilty, but they don't really want to come out. They want to take the time to maybe mold and spin the narrative a little bit. Uh, so we shall see what comes out there. But of course, Rishi Sunak has uh, pretty much insinuated that, of course, it is uh, Russian aggression. Quote, our military and intelligence services are now carefully studying this incident. If, if this is a deliberate attack, then it will demonstrate a new level of Russian aggression, said the British Prime Minister. So uh, he's pretty much, of course, reached his own conclusion and certainly spinning his own narrative at this point. Uh, as an update, the Ministry of Emergency Situations reported the rise in water in several districts of the Kherson region will continue from three to 10 days. The department, however, noted that the water level in the uh, Novokokovsky region decreased by 31 centimeters. If indeed uh, Kiev is exacerbating the situation, as I reported, uh, whereby they are opening the sluice gates near Dnipropetrovsk to try and flood and put as much pressure on the dam as possible, then it's uh, quite feasible that yes, the water levels may continue to rise. Uh, but yeah, the key point here, is that in the Novokokovka district, the water levels have in fact already started to decrease by what is claimed as 31 centimeters. Now, following the flooding, uh, many uh, there were many sort of videos going around on Telegram claiming about a mass death of animals, in particular at the Novokokovka Zoo. However, this has been called a fake, <laughs> most notably because after the shelling began, uh, according to the administration, all the animals were evacuated in December 2022. And that's according to official data. Uh, they were taken from undershelling to the Crimean Tigan Park. According to local media, they brought a llama, a donkey, two she-wolves, seven raccoons, peacocks, guinea fowl, and pheasant the, to the peninsula. So those animals were reportedly moved safely out of the way. And once again, whereas Ukraine is there, uh, pointing the finger and saying what well, is a heinous act and having a video of a woman crying it appears to have been uh, orchestrated as a fake. 
uh, and made out, which is, you know, to be expected there. But yet another fake um, being reported. If we go over to Russia, um, the Almaz Ante uh, promised Shoigu to double the production of air defense systems. Shoigu has urged to synchronize the commissioning of new facilities to speed up production in March. He announced that it was necessary to double the production of missiles. And this is contrasted by Jens Stoltenberg, who has previously noted that the conflict in Ukraine has become a battle of logistics. While the concern that um, manufacturers, the S-300, S-400, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, specifically S-300 favorite, S-400 Triumph, and the S-350 Vityaz, among others, has promised that they can meet that uh, uh, schedule and quota and they will be doubling the production. So that doesn't really bode well, uh, certainly for NATO with Jens Stoltenberg saying that this is all a war of attrition and a battle of logistics. It would appear that Russia is going to come out on top as they already appear to be doing. Uh, other leaders uh, who talk a lot of nonsense alongside Jens Stoltenberg uh, is Scholz, who, uh, well, similar to one of his predecessors, has decided to ban the Alternative for Germany party. Uh, this is being reported in Glavny.tv. The Institute for Human Rights in Germany has decided that there is every reason to ban the Conservative Alternative for Germany party. The AFD was accused of actively, quote, pursuing racist and right-wing extremist goals, end quote. The Institute notes that the party is systematically implementing a policy of racism and right-wing extremist goals. In this regard, there are good reasons for closing the AFD in order to protect society and a free democratic constitutional order. At the very least, the rest of the parties should distance themselves from them. At the same time, the co-author of the report, Heinrich Kremer, informs that the Institute is not in favor of closing the party. The organization allegedly positions itself as an independent human rights center while it receives its funding from the government. So I would uh, very much invite any uh, residents of Germany there that might be able to weigh in and comment on this. Uh, perhaps is it ex as extreme as being reported in Russian media here? Or is, Jens, uh, sorry, is uh, Olaf Scholz actually going ahead and starting to shut down these opposition parties? Are the allegations uh, accurate? Are they justified? Uh, moving on from uh, that paragraph there, it says, rather the think tank seeks to fill a void in social and legal debate. E. Daly also notes that according to the Institute of Public Opinion, the rating of the AFD has reached 18% of potential votes. This allowed the party to come close to the level of support for the ruling Social Democratic Party of Germany. Mm, that's an interesting fact to note, isn't it? Uh, earlier, it was reported that the first test for Germany and the European Union will be the decision of Turkish uh, President Erdogan on the issue of Sweden's membership in NATO and his actions at the summit to be held in July. Presumably, it references this as perhaps due to a parliamentary or Bundestag vote, perhaps that might come in on that regard. So yeah, I'd invite any comments and perspectives on this decision of Olaf Scholz to shut down the Alternative for Germany party. Uh, Reno Steve is reporting that the US and NATO are trying to poach Moscow's ally. And with this, they're referencing India. 
It has here, the North Atlantic Alliance continues to strive to expand and strengthen its influence in the world. In this context, the NATO office in Japan is being opened. And there is also a desire to strengthen cooperation with India within the NATO Plus format. Now, I have heard about this, and I wonder if you have as well, this NATO Plus, similar almost to BRICS Plus if we go on, it says this proposal is seen as potentially promising for the American side, which underlines the deep and close partnership between the U.S. and India, confirmed by the visit of Prime Minister Modi to the U.S. According to the Chinese Committee of the Congress, India's accession to the NATO Plus format can strengthen the position of the United States in its confrontation with China. In turn, U.S. Ambassador to India, Eric Garcetti, notes that all aspects of cooperation are being considered, including the possibility of expanding the NATO Plus format. It's important to note that the decision of India to join this format or any other international organizations depends on the political and strategic decisions of the government of India and other members of these organizations. So effectively reassuring readers that India hasn't decided to join but it is a potential. The key point here being is this decision to open this NATO liaison office in Japan. Now, already, President Macron has come out against this. In Gazette.ru, it's reported that France opposes opening a NATO office in Japan. Go down to the quote here. Uh, France opposes the opening of a NATO liaison office in Tokyo. is reported by a French diplomatic source to the Japanese TV channel NHK. According to Paris, NATO is the organization responsible for security in the North Atlantic region. France believes that NATO's activities should extend only to this territory. According to the source, if NATO needs to monitor the situation in the Indo-Pacific region, then the embassies of its member countries should take on this role. Such a position of France, according to observers, is due to the fact that Paris is afraid of irritating Beijing. Earlier, it's reported that French President Emmanuel Macron does not approve of NATO's plans to open its representative office in Japan, as he believes that the alliance should focus in the North Atlantic region. And yes, uh, China has been quite vocal about this and has very directly, uh, in the words of the Foreign Ministry of Beijing, uh, warned the US against trying to create such um, alliances. Oh, apologies, correction. I believe it was the, um, the military. It was the uh, military spokesperson who warned against this and trying to uh, form these sort of alliances. Now, they said alliances or similar to NATO alliances, referencing the fact that this is being called NATO Plus. So, well, <laughs> Macron, for all his faults, I think it is worth uh, putting up at least some form of resistance and acknowledging that he has spoken out against it. Whether that actually means anything, like any veto or any blocking, if such power exists, we shall see whether these are just words or their actions, but actually a somewhat worrying development there, if not predictable and something that uh, China has certainly warned against. On topic of sanctions, uh, it appears that the 11th uh, round of sanctions, particularly spearheaded by the US, is having an effect uh, on Russia. It says banks in Armenia and Kazakhstan blocked accounts for deliveries to Russia. Banks in a number of countries, due to the risk of sanctions, began to block payments for the supply of electronics for legal entities from Russia. Suppliers are trying to import electronics under different product codes and are looking for other payment methods. In the past two weeks, suppliers have increasingly faced cases where banks in Armenia, Kazakhstan, and Hong Kong 
block payments from Russian legal entities under the Commodity Nomenclature of Foreign Economic Activity, TNVED 852, which includes microcircuits, processors, and other equipment. According to one of the interlocutors, this is due, sorry, to the 10th. Uh, round of U.S. sanctions introduced in February. According to him, foreign banks may be subject to restrictions for cooperation with Russia. This refers to any provision of funds, goods, or services to or from a blocked person. As also noted by a source of the publication, now Russian companies will have to import components needed for the production of computers, servers, data storage systems, and other equipment under the alternative TNVED codes. So there we have an impact, quite how that will play out and actually affect the Russian industry. Uh, we shall see and have to research some more on. But it has to be said, there is some uh, ramification now that is coming as about of this 10th package of sanctions from the US. And finally, on topic of the US, uh, Milanov called the reasons for the mass conversion of American Christians to orthodoxy. And here's another article and topic that I would appreciate uh, people's thoughts and opinions. Perhaps some Americans can uh, even weigh in. This was reported yesterday, June 6th. And it claims that more and more Christians in the United States are abandoning the Protestant, Catholic, or Baptist faith and are converting to orthodoxy. State Duma Deputy Vitaly Milanov explained why more and more churchmen in the United States are making a choice in the direction of the Orthodox faith. Quote, with all due respect to other confessions, it must be admitted that the spiritual content of Orthodoxy is head and shoulders above Catholicism and, of course, any variant of Protestantism. At a time when the Western Church was busy arguing about the outward form of faith, the Eastern Church was accumulating spiritual knowledge and developing theological and theological knowledge, he stated. At the same time, Milanov is not surprised at how Americans, exhausted by unbelief, realize the power of orthodoxy. In his opinion, in the near future, there will be many more such people throughout the Western world. So once again, this is something I'd like to invite your thoughts and opinions. If there are any listeners who'd like to call in and maybe share them with me live on Ed, by all means do so, but don't feel obligated. And that is about a wrap of all the stories that I have for you today. Uh, something just to note on that last story, I believe that Tim Kirby and the American Village Project are underway on their second uh, wave of accepting applicants. Uh, this is for essentially an expat community in Russia, I believe just near Moscow. I'm not sure on the exact uh, location where it's been proposed, but I have shared some details in my Telegram channel. So I would invite people there to certainly follow me on telegram t.me forward slash tv and again thank you all for your support thanks for listening here today on podbean uh as i've said i'm trialing this platform i hope to be able to sync it up with youtube as well when my ban is lifted and this is an idea to hopefully reach as many people as possible and return to my roots where i did once do a podcast format of videos and the headlines so I think if that's uh, about it and no one has anything to add to both the topic of Olaf Scholz um, banning the alternative for Germany party or indeed the conversion of Americans to orthodoxy, I think we'll... Oh, here we go. Uh, we have a caller. Ura, thank you very much indeed. Let's invite you on. Hello there. Um, let's see. Can we hear you? Do we need to uh, change the settings? 
Have you got your uh, audio on? Ah, there we go. Oh, yeah, there we go. You're marked as a speaker, so speak. Okay, away. can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm sat on the beach in Dorset. How <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah, it is surreal this this is surreal <laughs> listening to you all that way yeah. um listening to you i was thinking of the idea that i've heard many people in my time when i've interviewed people who have gone through conflicts how they listen to an english voice and it kept them going right yeah well, um, antagonizes uh, people who were in the resistance people right. working behind enemy lines, that sort of thing. And this feels surreally like that in a very odd place, if you see what I mean. I think um, I do. I've never yeah. heard of an English voice being uh, particularly antagonistic, though, for people. Usually it's told it's very soothing. No, no, not antagonistic in that sense. Antagonistic to the authorities. Ah. That their only hope was to tune in and listen and maybe get a few minutes of a, of a foreign voice, as it were. Right. Yeah. How are things in the UK? Would you mind uh, telling everyone and filling us in? Um, politely? I've never known it. Uh, I'm in my late 70s now, mm. and I've never known it like this. This is far worse than anything, I think, in the 20th century. Goodness me. Please describe yeah. what this is, what, what, you're, what well, you're experiencing. They're lo I mean, just simple things like you can't buy things. Um, I, I'm on a fixed income, but I'm very fortunate. I have a roof over my head. Mm -hmm. People are living mortgage date to mortgage date. There's no rental affordable. Wow. My area rentals are beyond the wages of anybody who works locally. Right. And this is Dorset, is that correct? Yeah, we're talking about Dorset here. Yeah, and it's, it's a lovely place, but you can't eat the scenery. You, know, you really can't, you know. Um, is this I've the same just, for neighbouring places such as Devon, Cornwall, and uh, yeah. those areas as well? Yeah, all very areas. touristy areas. I mean, the usually quite high priced. The food issue is the thing. I mean, I, I do tend to number crunch, and the malnutrition is is rising. It's really, really malnutrition bad. in the United Kingdom. Yeah, it, the 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 times it's mentioned on admissions to hospital is going through the roof. Wow, to the point that people are being admitted to hospital for malnutrition. Yeah, it's on there. Well, it exasperates. There are lots and lots of illnesses that come from it. Mm. I mean, we've got rickets occurring in Great Britain. Good God. I hadn't heard of that. That was always associated with the Second World War, rickets, and that's exactly. due to a lack of vitamins. Exactly. A lot of these things, it's very hard to get hold of. The information. What sort of items in particular, if you don't mind me asking? Right. Um, well... Butter, what? Um, you know, it's a tenner in many supermarkets for a tub of butter. Is that ten pounds that you just yes. said? Yeah, ten pounds for a tub. Wow. Tub of butter. I mean, they put locks on them. Oh wow! Security yeah. lock, so people can't steal it. Yeah, you can't buy uh, baby milk without asking because they can't put it on the shelves. Could people steal it? Goodness me. I mean, it is, and, and you know, and you, you, you know, this sort of area I'm in, hmm. you're thinking, why is this happening? It's happening because the spectrum of, of income is so wide. 
you have people who are so unbelievably affluent. Yes, there's usually was have, an affluent area in Dorset. Yeah, in the it, south it, of it is exactly it is, and you have that vast majority of people who are struggling payday to payday, okay. and loving the summer because you know there's no central heating. You're all right. You can mm -hmm. eat that sort of thing. I, I was a councillor. I've resigned for various reasons. Um, one of them principally being that I cannot support NATO, so I couldn't really oh, represent right. people. So I are ducked people, out of that. Are people going back to make do and mend? Uh, we just referenced the Second World War. Absolutely. Obviously, there was dig for victory Absolutely. and uh, make do and mend. I mean, we've got a community fridge, which I've been to this morning. Um, community fridge is we've organized it a local, a local, oddly enough, it's a, an environmental organization. But what we do is we go and collect all the surplus food from all the supermarkets, bring it in one place, and people can have it for free. It, it's really to stop waste, that's right. our argument, but it's not really, it's just the majority of people wouldn't be able to afford to buy the stuff so they can come and get it from us. Is this by another name a food bank, so to speak? Yes, it is. It is like a food bank, but you don't have to qualify to get it. To to get from a food bank, you have to prove that you don't have means. Right, I see. You see what I mean? I see why you called it, yeah, community fridge. Yeah. Therefore, so this don't is taken from, yeah, this is to stop food being, food being good food being thrown away. Mm, which so is no bad thing anyway, but uh, exactly. you're claiming this is also due to financial hardship. Well, yeah. I mean, pe people can't, they can get things there which they can't pay for. Most right. people are meat-free now. I mean, meat is very expensive. You know, yeah, that's a that's a key point. That Well, meat always was very expensive, even when I was living in the UK back uh, five, ten years ago. It yeah. was uh, something we ate. We were down to about yeah. twice a week. Yeah. And making I mean, stews and things like this to make it go further. Yeah. It's interesting, actually. I've got quite a few friends who who eat bunnies. Um, I, I live in a place where you're not allowed to use the R word. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's just a local custom. I'm not from here. I'm from a different part of the country, but you don't use the R word. So in but, Dorset, you have to say bunnies instead of, if I yeah. missed it, it rabbits. Yes. <laughs> uh, for years, I lived on rabbits and pheasants as well. Uh, well, exactly. Off, off exactly. I'm, I'm a pretty good shot. I don't have a gun anymore. But that's yeah, because right. as a child, I grew up on a farm where that was what we ate. And pigeon? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's not a lot pigeon. of flesh on a pigeon, really. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, wow. So what's the uh, public sentiment, though, in the people is... Uh, apathy. You know, right, apathy. This is what I've said to most people as well, is that's kind of the British, it uh, is British. attitude to, to things. You've got an unelected prime minister, or at least elected only by his party, Yes, uh, and there's this sort of apathetic feeling of, well, th this is just the way it is, and we'll get on, deal mm. with it, sort of thing, rather the, than cause a yeah. fuss. In political terms, uh, Great Britain had its revolution far too early, and nothing right. changed. Um, those of you who know about British history know that we, at the end of our revolution, the monarchy came back, and it never mm. actually changed anything which I think is one of the largest reasons behind the antipathy towards Russia. Because, of course, Russia had a very late revolution and really did get rid of its monarchy, which somewhere yeah. like the UK would really resent. And has yeah. always resented it.
I've yeah, I've never understood given the uh, UK royal families what were seemingly good relations with Tsar Nicholas and the Russian yeah. family. Why now England and well, specifically England? I'm not going to lump Scotland and Wales and yeah. Ireland in with this. Specifically, England has been so yeah. antagonistic against Russia. Th thanks for touching on the royal family. How has public perception been since uh, King Charles uh, was uh, crowned? People really don't like him. I mean, <laughs> it, it a lot. Most people. I mean, you can imagine my age. The people I mix with would be considered royalists, and plenty of people are in for a royalist party, mm. or have been through the times when king and country was something we fought for. Absolutely, this is a point that's, I've made in a few interviews now. When I grew up, yeah. was, you joined the army for king and country, and that's what yeah. you fought for. And then by the time I joined, it was you're fighting for the man next year. Yeah. And then they look at America and think we don't want that yeah. because they, they see America has a head of state which changes every four years, and they don't have the greatest voting system in the world. Um, you know, two-party so, system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I can understand people not rushing to that, but the yeah. resentment of Russia's revolution being the, practically the latest. The only other revolution, of course, was in China, and that's mm -hmm. equally hated. Let's not forget the UK, or sorry, again, the English involvement in funding the White Army in the Russian Revolution. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, even yeah. supplying tanks that were captured yeah. by the Red Army and used yeah. against them. So it's not the first time that no. England has antagonized against Russia and supported what exactly. proved back then to be the air quote wrong side, so to speak, yeah. in terms of Victor. And I suspect we're seeing a repeat of that yeah. now with Ukraine. One last question for you is how do you foresee things going in the UK? Let's let's just say over the next sort of six to twelve months. Um more of the same. And that sounds awfully defeated. Um people are getting angrier. Mm -hmm. But the legislation that has been passed is so uh, rigid. It's worse than anything experienced in East Germany, which I do know quite a lot about East Germany, oddly enough. But the kind of control, and it is control. Mm -hmm. It is control. They know what they're doing. These people aren't sick. People behind the government are not unaware of the fact that what they're doing is very, very unpopular. And what they're doing will inspire complaints. And they are de quite deliberately manipulating and controlling a population. It wow. is a case of shut up and watch the telly. Yeah, and do as you're told. I, I get the feeling yeah. from it's not just the British um, authorities. The likes of Olaf Scholz seem to feel that they can just decree as they wish and they are protected by some force, call it deep state, call it whoever you wish. Uh, yeah. We even had, was it Annalena Baerbach, who's yeah. <laughs> pretty much straight up said, I don't care what my voters think. Exactly. There is huge impact on the, what you announced today will have enormous impact in Germany. I, I can assure you, I have friends and family living there. Mm. They are not part of AFD, but there is a hell of a lot of people mm. in Germany who do support them. Well, there's that the right article claimed 18% of support, and that was saying it was rivaling Schultz's party. Well, yeah, that's no that's no small number. Yeah, and it's in Putin's backyard. It is in Dresden. 
oh, that's gosh. the center. It, it is what we call Saxony. That is mm -hmm. an area of Germany in Saxony. It is very, very strong. And some of it is extreme. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have seen them on the streets mm -hmm. with my grandchildren, and they are a lot. Some of them are very right wing, but right. it's that thing in society where you get the extreme right wing and the extreme left wing come together. And Delinka, which is one of the other parties, I suspect the AfD will all go over to Delinka. Right. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain to somebody, but when you get the kind of fragmentation, frag, uh, frag, uh, fragmentation mm -hmm. of society, then people gel in really odd combinations. Mm. And yeah, we've seen it before. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it really did happen when you studied the 20s in Germany, particularly. Mm hmm that's that's what you're seeing is the 20s in germany being reacted to some extent i think yes we we have heard that before from other sources uh, yeah. of certain conditions now replaying being reenacted and then yeah. we have what could potentially be poverty uh, again inflicting that population with the deindustrialization uh, and yeah. with the loss of work so uh, in your opinion uh, mm. i'll ask the same question how do you sort of foresee things in germany because i i don't expect the germans to be quite as apathetic as the no, british they aren't they mm. aren't as apathetic and particularly in the east they have gone through an awful lot in the last 40 50 years mm -hmm. those people have seen huge changes the mm. majority of pensioners even 10 15 years ago were wanting to go back yeah. because they were, had a better quality of life under what was East German rule. And it was very harsh. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. Soviet rule of East Germany was very, very harsh. But a lot of them longed for those days because of the security. Because yes. they had a better quality of life wow. than they do after the West took over. Goodness me. You know, it, it's a very divided country, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you say, um, I've I've sensed that I've been messaged by Germans. I've seen mm. the the protests that are not spread in the mainstream media, certainly not in the West. But mm. those people that are coming out and speaking out against the government uh, and against their leaders, and mm. is, as I've repeated before, it's as Putin has has said, where the elites do not represent the the will and the wishes of the people, and there's this mm. greater greater uh, chasm that's opening where people are, are seeing that uh, and well sadly as you say in the uk they're kind of seeing it but not really doing much about it but then there there's there's places like france mm. where we're told there there is a lot of movement there is a lot of protests again yeah, not exactly. being reported so i believe in europe <laughs> i mean you'll you'll concur with me in, in england we sort of looked yeah. at the french like oh god they're rioting again yeah <laughs> but that's the resentment of revolution yes yeah Do you see yeah. Yeah, it's that dislike because it was far more recent, you know. Right. That's yes. And you know, that I've not come across uh, or said, heard said before. Yeah, but it, it is true. I mean, it, it's a key behind it. I know there was Agincourt and all that stuff from the Middle East. Ah, yes, I taught that stuff till blue in the face. But in reality, the French Revolution is a thing that sets the current uh, nerves in Britain that people don't like the French because. <laughs> yeah, we could and talk yet, about that all day long. <laughs> hey, think about grain. The other aspect that I thought of thinking of it historically, 
the other interesting thing is is grain bread mm. is behind most revolutions started as you know in russia the mm. bread strike you talk about the bread and the withholding of of grain in france that triggered the revolution they had issues in rome ancient rome yeah uh, with bread yeah and controlling the populace and crowd yeah, yeah absolutely exactly. absolutely right thank that you ever so something. much i'm gonna have to wrap things yeah. up there but thank you ever so much for your time and your insight that was a wonderful <laughs> conversation thank you so much i look forward to doing that again so thank you for joining yeah. me thank you for being there no problem thank you bye-bye bye okay yeah that was wonderful thank you very much to all of you for listening uh i hope to do this again this one's been more of a trial run uh we'll probably do it again next week perhaps same time uh, and depending on um, the feedback and the success, we may then dial it up to maybe two live sessions a week. And then I will also look to convert to the normal video updates also into a podcast format because I do understand that for many people it's far more convenient. So I'm going to end things there. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. I'll speak to you very soon and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.